0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. Let's get into your headlines. And we need to talk about interest rates. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen scares markets, saying interest rates may have to rise at some point but then later walks back the comments, insisting hikes aren't something she's predicting or recommending.
1: It may be that interest rates will have to rise somewhat to make sure that our economy doesn't overeat.
0: Tech stocks fall sharply on the back of Yellen's comments, with the Nasdaq seeing its worst day since March, while Apple drops over 3%.
2: Well, we've got Lyft bouncing back after hours. The ride-hailing company topping first quarter expectations, scoring a beat on the top and bottom lines as revenue jumps 7% on the quarter. And in corporate news, uh, well, turn of deal news, Bombardier exiting its position in the French rail giant Alstom, selling its 3.1% stake for just over half a billion euros in order to focus purely on the private jet market.
0: And the corporate, ease, uh, corporate earnings season rolls on. Uh, we've got Deutsche Post CEO Frank Appel coming up this hour, as well as Virgin Money's CFO later on in the show. And then on street signs, top executives from Veolia and Novo Nordisk. Let's have a look at some early uh, corporate earnings numbers coming in. Obviously, we focus on these numbers just to see how close they are to the analysts' expectations and whether they stand up valuations. The DSM figures this morning giving us a uh, first quarter adjusted EBIT. Uh, €441 million Euros against €300 million in the company's own guidance. So, obviously, the company has beat its own guidance on that metric. The outlook for 2021, uh, group outlook updated to reflect stronger materials recovery. Again, a reflection of the reflation trade uh, driving up demand across the board for the kind of products that DSM produces. Uh, they are uh, uh, speciality uh, chemical group I guess Uh, they do nutrition uh, they do materials material sciences is their bag as well first quarter continuing group sales in at 2.19 billion euro the company's own provided guidance 2.05 billion so again it is a beat on their own expectation The outlook continues to expect an adjusted EBITDA increase in nutrition at the upper end of its mid-term strategic ambition of high single-digit growth. And nutrition has been one of the strong drivers uh, for this business. Uh, The trading update indicates then that the first quarter has started well. Uh, They've done in excess of their own guidance. And the expectation is that they will continue to, to, to uh, pick up at this run rate uh, through the rest of the year here. So another company that's effectively in the uh, feeder space uh, for a lot of other businesses telling us that uh, they are seeing continued uplift in demand. Let's talk a little bit about the um, Janet Yellen comments here because I think the market, well, surprised, stupefied, uh, battered into submission, they didn't expect the US Treasury Secretary to be talking about interest rates. This is effectively Jay Powell's territory. Perhaps Janet Yellen has forgotten she's got a new job. But anyhow, let's talk about what she had to say. The Treasury Secretary had to clarify that she is not predicting or recommending higher rates amid the inflationary pressure of a slew of new spending measures. That's after the US markets hit session lows on the back of her earlier comments, where she said rates may have to rise to prevent overheating.
1: It could cause some very modest increases in interest rates to get that reallocation. But um, these are investments our economy needs to be competitive and to be productive. And, um, you know, know, I, I think that our economy will grow faster because of them.
0: JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says the US economy will accelerate thanks to fresh stimulus and widespread vaccinations. Dimon added he expects the Fed will also react to mild inflationary pressures. To start, we're going to have a hugely strong economy, and it's probably going to go well into 2022 and maybe 2023. Because of $7 trillion of spending, a lot of which, some has been spent, but a lot has not been spent. And that doesn't include some of the new things they're speaking about. We also have to look at the consumers in great shape. So the consumers going back to work, the balance sheet's in great shape, home prices are up, their debt levels are low, completely different than the Great Recession. The pandemic's ending, thank God for the, you know, the vaccines and stuff like that. People are dying to get out and go back to work. You see it every single day. You are going to have a boom. And my reference to Goldilocks was more about that, that if we're lucky, it'll be a boom and inflation will go up not too much and rates go up not too much and everything will be fine. But I think there's a chance that it'll happen, but I think, I think the Fed's going to get a swish. I think they're going to get inflation.
2: Yeah, also a lot of comments about uh, the European Super League and indeed Bitcoin from Jamie Diamond. He's been making some very interesting comments. Uh, let's go back to the US trade deficit. Remember when there was a president who said he was going to wipe it out in, uh, in a couple of terms? Didn't manage to do that, did they? Uh, the U.S. trade deficit has hit a record high of seventy-four point four billion dollars. Imports rising amid surging domestic demand. Fresh data showed imports of both consumer and capital goods at all time highs with the potentially sensitive deficit with China. Yeah, you guessed it, continuing to grow. U.S. exports increased by 6.6 percent with strength in industrial supplies and materials. And Jeff, if there was a mythical WhatsApp, which would be the best one of the day, it would be the one from Jay Powell to Janet Yellen going, geez, Janet, thanks for nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Well,
0: it's fascinating, this one, isn't it, Steve? Because I think there are a couple of ways that you could analyse this case of mistaken identity. For a moment, I think Janet Yellen thought she was still the head of the Fed rather than the US Treasury Secretary. And you could do what the markets did early on, and they threw their toys out of the pram and they got very worried about whether Janet Yellen was signalling that inflation pressure would lead to a much earlier rise in interest rates. And what we saw early doors was um, we had a a drop to uh, 1.5% on the S&P 500. And ultimately, by the time Janet Yellen started to walk back the comments and the market reflected on what she had to say, then we took back a lot of those session lows. But the other way I'd say you could analyse this is Did Janet Yellen actually say anything that anybody doesn't already believe in their heart? That as much as the Fed continues to signal long-term guidance that they won't do anything on interest rates, they'll let inflation run hot, they'll let the economy run hot, I think we all know in our heart of hearts, don't we, that they will be guided by the data. And ultimately, if the data starts to run too hot they will ultimately have to react. And you cannot put a timeline on that. We just have to work with the numbers. So did Janet Yellen actually say anything that anybody doesn't already understand? I don't really think so. And yet the market had an opportunity for a little bit of a shuffle on the trade. So that's where we are on the US market session. Technology deserves a little bit of special attention here because it was the biggest decliner. And again, we saw a reversion back to some of those trading themes we saw at the end of 2020, where the market was already beginning to try and anticipate the reflation trade and the opportunity to shift out of growth. And move back into cyclicals and take advantage of the uptick in growth for the broader economy and try to find some value. So again, as we thought about the possibility of um, higher interest rates, more expensive money, less money flowing into technology counters and speculative growth companies, we saw a whole slew of major technology names fall. And you know that poster child for tech investing at the moment... ARC Invest, Cathy Wood's business. Well, the ARC Innovation ETF really just a, a, a bigger reflection, a leverage reflection, if you like, of what we saw on a lot of those uh, technology companies. ARC in, in Innovation ETF down over 3%. And the interesting thing was, as we started the week, before Janet Yellen made these comments, Uh, We were talking a little bit about Kathy Wood I think putting a bit more money into uh, Twitter and investing a bit more in some of these uh, uh, tech businesses that have yet really to demonstrate that they have a clear moat Uh, uh, but um, she wasn't the only one that was doing that of course at the uh, beginning of the week. we should have a look at the Treasuries, I think. Let's let's just roll the board here. How did the market uh, in um, fixed income react to Janet Yellen's comments? Well, interesting. Immediately, the 10-year note dropped. We got below the 1.6 level on the 10-year Treasury as the market then had to try and reassess what it thought it knew already about the uh, uh, shape of the US Treasury curve and whether indeed any earlier rising interest rates would dampen down the expected rebound. I just wanted to throw in um, another comment for you as we focus on this yield curve here and the inflation concerns. Uh, CNBC uh, interviewed uh, Rick Ryder. Uh, from BlackRock, the uh, bond uh, boss over there. Um, They manage trillions. He said, quote, every client is worried about inflation, which is why um, if sometimes we seem to go on and on about the subject, it is uh, very much the topic of the moment, Steve.
2: Yeah, get out of my head, Jeffrey. I've got that written down here, that exact quote under Yellen as well. Um absolutely fantastic comments, Jeff. I've got a lot to say on that as well. Look, um, let us move on if we can. We've had Deutsche Post DHL numbers out. And Annette, I think Frank Arpel is channeling his inner Renny Zellweger from Jerry Maguire when he says we had the best opening quarter ever and we were able to unleash our full strength as a group. It reminds me of Hey, you had me at hello, i.e. right up at the top of the statement is saying our best opening quarter ever. (laughs) Speaks volumes. Hello, Annetta.
1: Good morning, Steve. Yes, indeed. If you look through the numbers, they pre-released April 9, as you, of course, all know. But now they're even topping these pre-release numbers with the full number set for the first quarter. Um, Now they're saying that revenues are um, up by, yeah, I I think, probably more than 15% at €18.9 billion. Also, the targets, I think, most interesting Uh, raised the um, guidance for 2021 is now that EBIT should be significantly um, should be at 6.7 billion euro before it said significantly um, above 5.6 so also 2023 guidance is hiked EBIT now at 7 billion free cash flow at 9 billion and the amount they plan on investing is now Um, at 11 billion euros so essentially the numbers look really good and of course all depends on whether this uh, move into more online um, trading will continue also after the pandemic will um, go away or will at least um, get better so essentially this year will still be a very good year for deutsche post if you look at the return on sales numbers express is doing best Inside the post at seventeen point five percent freight is is not doing great four point five percent when it comes to return on sales um, post and parcel twelve point two and um, yeah so essentially to sum it up a good number set they are even topping what we heard when they pre released on April nine and they are also raising their um, <clears throat> their guidance which was already raised early. April so essentially that's it Steve back to you
2: Essentially that is it thank you very much indeed for that Annetta. well it's not it of course as you well know because we've got the CEO of uh, Deutsche Boss DHL Frank Arpel joining us at uh, that interview at 750 CET and Jeffrey if if you've got Frank Arpel channeling his Jerry Maguire I think we've got David Neuhauser uh, channeling his Shakespeare from Macbeth because double double toil and trouble he's talking about witches brews.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I'm amazed that you went for that Jerry Maguire because uh, quote because everybody do does the show me the money, normally, don't they? So uh, well show done me the money. for finding
2: uh, another the great cover, Gooding Jr. Uh, let's get
0: to let's get to David, the CIO of uh, Livermore Partners. David, good morning to you here, and um, just to pick up on on the comments uh, that the Steve led us into, you with uh, you're kind of scathing this morning about the new investors who are coming into the market at this stage. What's your problem with people finding uh, equity markets and trying to make a turn?
3: Yeah, good morning, guys. So, I mean, I think the biggest issue uh, when you look at you know sort of the Robin Hood phenomenon that we've seen uh, is that a number of these investors, as you know, whether it be in crypto, whether it be in equities, uh, whether it be in meme stocks like GameStock, I mean they they typically are uh naive they're early investors they don't calculate risk very well so they're great at momentum they're great at uh spotting trends and they jump on those trends of course and we've seen that and that leads to much higher prices and speculation but ultimately you know fundamentals do matter so i think this is um this is the part of the market that you're seeing uh happen today what you're seeing the speculation is massive I think ultimately it ends pretty badly.
0: Let's talk about where you think there's value uh, rather than dwell on where they're going, because um, you're not chasing the momentum. You're looking. Well, I say you're not chasing the momentum. We've seen um, commodity markets, some particular commodity markets do extraordinarily well recently, Uh, just Perhaps you describe where you think the opportunity is for those who are more discerning and are prepared to dig a little deeper.
3: Yeah, I think the key is, you know, you know, with Livermore, you know, our hedge fund, we're focused on a lot of small cap value plays. Uh, We are tied uh, to commodities heavily, as you and I have talked in the past, whether it be in energy, whether it be in miners and the like. So we, we prefer, you know, Europe and a lot of these miners. If you look at the free cash flow these companies are generating today, compared to their history, compared to where other sectors are trading at today, they look extremely inviting. And I think if you look on a go forward path, uh, you know, that's the one area I think that valuation is dominant in terms of it opens up the potential for investment and much higher valuations, and much higher prices. So you know, Livermore is focused on those groups, whether it be in gold, silver copper, or even oil, and we find tremendous value today in those sectors.
2: David, I have a lot of sympathy for your view and, and concerns about investors' understanding of what they're doing, but 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 they would turn around to say to you, and perhaps to me as well, well, if you think it's so crazy what we're doing, if you think these markets are so high, why don't you short against us? So there's my question, are you shorting against any of these hyped markets?
3: No, you know, it's interesting, Steve. So, you know, like Livermore in the past, we've shorted some high-flying technology stocks. But, but, you know, that was when the market was much more rational that you had bouts of volatility and you can short uh, stocks that were fundamentally broken or technically broken. And I think the dynamic that has changed in the past, you know, year, year and a half now is that you've seen this massive influx of capital and money printing, as you know, From government uh, and from the Federal Reserve. So, you know, you go from five trillion now upwards of of 10 trillion based on the Biden's uh, infrastructure plan this year. And all that money printing has just leading to massive speculation. So you can short these names. I think the issue is you don't know where the top is and where the peak is, and you don't know where it's going to end. So it's best really to stay away. So we've focused we've we focused away from shorting to hedge. And again, we've looked to a lot of the miners, things that are generating just great free cash flow that have tremendous value. And we're looking at places like that to invest in because we think, you know, as the, the tide turns out, that you know, that is the one sector that's gonna hold. And it goes to, you know, plays in with what you guys are describing, which we believe inflation is inevitable and it's here and it's rising.
2: I I, I hear you, David, and, and this is a great debate. And there's a lot of companies whose business model is quite frankly ludicrous, but we have to go with it because people are investing into these stocks. But then there's big companies that are quite frankly terrific and have their fingers in a lot of pies and are doing very well, like your Amazons of this world. But the problem with an Amazon uh, as an investor at this point is it, it trades roughly 54 times forward as well. Now, is it gonna grow into those valuations, those kind of companies? How do you trade deal with those companies who have a great business model, but have crazy valuations?
3: Yeah, I think that's gonna, uh, you know, what's gonna straighten that out eventually is again, a normalization to interest rates, right? So I think you got to pay attention to, you know, 10 year and you see if you see higher inflation, ultimately, you're going to see higher 10 year uh, higher rates are going to make stocks like Amazon, even though it's a tremendous company, it's going to be less attractive based on valuation. So, you know, when these, these companies go from a trillion to two trillion, it's also very difficult to get to three trillion very quickly, too. So case in point, you know, we made reference to Microsoft, which had blowout numbers, you know, phenomenal company had great numbers last week. And yet the stock went down, you know, four or 5% since then. So, you know, you look at those situations and just reflects that ultimately under a normalized uh, backdrop of economic activity, those companies are gonna be much harder to, to grow into those valuations and thus they have downside. But they're still great companies, Steve. It's just, you know, to invest in them, you wanna invest in them when they're reasonably valued and they're generating good profitability and earnings and they grow. And when they hit peaks, I think you need to stay steer clear. David just to
0: reflect for a moment on some of your um, metals plays here interesting you've got uh, platinum metals group platinum seems to be one of those frustrating metals that hasn't moved with palladium or copper or even enjoyed the the sort of peaks of silver Um, when does platinum get into the game a little more aggressively
3: you know, I think a lot of it is, is depends on sort of the cycle effect, right? Where you're looking at copper, you're seeing massive deficits. With platinum, you're not there yet. So we're not, we're not picking off examples of specific uh, uh, metals per se. We're looking, at, of course, at companies that are producing this stuff. And, you know, we, we mentioned our, in our uh, last update, our hedge fund update, you know, some of the names we're invested in and, and you know, that are invested in platinum, obviously. So, you know, platinum has a potential to outperform over the next several years, weaker dollar play, obviously, also increased uh, infrastructure opportunities going forward and sort of the green uh, uh, opportunities you're seeing, you know, pushed about today in terms of copper and lithium and all the others. I think there's a there's a path for platinum as well. But my, my favorite commodity today, uh, I'll say, is, is still copper. I think copper is the new oil, and I think copper for the next five to 10 years is going to look uh, tremendous with the potential for, you know, 20,000 a metric ton. And we think there's some very small, you know, solid small cap companies that have massive production potential and valuations are attractive. And, you know, Livermore could make uh, you know great, uh, great return on their investment. David, thanks for getting up for us
0: or staying up for us, uh, depending on which one it was. David Newhouser, the CIO of Livermore Partners. Uh, Coming up later today, our U.S. colleagues will speak with Fed Vice Chair Richard Clarida. That exclusive interview is at 9 p.m. CET. Still to come, Lyft shares jump after the ride-hailing business beats the street but still loses money in the first quarter. And if you want to catch up on many of these stories and what exactly... Janet Yellen did to worry the markets, head to our website for the podcast, cnbc.com.
2: Right, welcome back. Let's have a bit of a corporate roundup for you. Pfizer traded marginally higher after the U.S. drug maker raised its full-year forecast for COVID-19 vaccine sales to $26 billion. The group's first-quarter revenue and profit also exceeded analyst expectations. Pfizer is preparing to file for a full U.S. approval uh, for the jab for people over the age of 16 uh, this month, with the uh, current emergency authorization soon extended. Uh, to children age 12 and above. Now, the CEO, Albert Buller told CNBC that a round of booster shots could be needed later this year.
0: We do expect that a booster likely will be needed somewhere between 6 and 12 months. And this is based on all the evidence that we have seen collectively, but remains to be proven. Uh, And those evidence are based on people that they have uh, COVID-19 vaccine. After six months, that they had the disease. The number of people that get reinfection is getting higher.
2: Uh, the German biotech group, not the American one, this is Merck Gay, well, they have raised their guidance for 2021 as production of COVID-19 vaccines and treatments boost demand. The company posted uh, strong first quarter sales of 4.6 billion euros and EBITDA of 1.5 billion euros. And Lyft shares climbed as much as 7% in extended trade after posting a first quarter beat on the top and bottom lines. Now, the Ray... Ray- Raid-hailing or is it ride-hailing? I will go with ride-hailing. Company is still in the red. Still in the red, by the way. They haven't made money. Uh, But losses were much less than expected at 35 cents per share. Revenue was down 36% year on year, uh, despite making 7% gains over the previous period, coming in at $609 million.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe
2: Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.